Hey, baseball audio lifers, so glad you could join us. It's our 2021 Chicago White Sox season preview. Today we'll be looking into the future and seeing what the season will be like for the Chicago White Sox. And also going a little bit into their history and then going more in-depth into their roster. So let's start off by what we can expect for the Chicago White Sox. Uh, I think it's going to be quite a year because they're going all in. They got their chips and pushing them forward. Like James Holzhauer on Jeopardy are saying we are all in because they went and signed Liam Hendricks for three years, $54 million. And you mean business when you sign Liam Hendricks for that price. And he is one of the best relievers in baseball. And he'll be welcome because Alex Colomay was no longer the bullpen ace. He's no longer on the team. So replacing him with Liam Hendricks is pretty damn good, if you ask me. He's quite an upgrade, and I like it. Uh, and guess who's back? Yes, Tony LaRusa is back. Tony LaRusa will be handling the helm for the Chicago White Sox. Yes, it's like back to the future. We're going back to when Tony uh, brought the White Sox to better times when he was manager first go-around. Has the game passed him by? We shall see. And we all know Tony. He's the man who's responsible for all these pitching changes and delaying the game of baseball. So White Sox fans, be prepared. But he is a brilliant baseball mind. He's up there in age, but we'll see what he got. Has the game passed him by? I don't think so. Can he communicate with the players? I think Tony's always been a straight shooter, so I don't think that'll be a problem at all. But we shall see. And then Liam Hendricks will be joined by Lance Lynn. Yes, Lance Lynn will be joining the starting rotation. So those are two new additions to the Chicago White Sox. Lance Lynn uh, once played under Tony Arusa. And Lance Lynn is one of those guys, the... uh, Spin rate people love Lance for what he does. Uh, he's had a few good years the last couple years. He's reinvented himself. Has become a quite a pitcher by analyzing his pitching motion, spin rate, etc. And I'm, for one, going to look forward to seeing Lance in Chicago because this team is stacked. I know Elroy Jimenez is down, down for the count, but they are so deep that they may not miss a beat at all. And I'll tell you why as we go forward. Uh, and it, it, it was an unfortunate injury for Eloy Jimenez because he had he has a ruptured pectoral tendon trying to make a fantastic catch during the spring training. And uh, he'll be out for most of the year. They're hoping he can come back maybe in August and September, but we shall see. Now, we're going to go deeper into the... Uh, White Sox history in a second, so we're just going to take a break, and we'll be right back. Hey, thanks for coming back, guys. And now we're just going to go into the history of the Chicago White Sox. Chicago White Sox are one of the American League's eight charter franchises. So they've been around. I'm sure none of you out there were around when they began play in existence in 1901. So they have been multi-generational. And when they first started, they were called the Chicago White Stockings. This was soon shortened to the Chicago White Sox. And the team originally played its home games at Southside Park. Then they moved to Comiskey Park in 1910, where they played until Guaranteed Rate Field. This is one of those ballparks where the name keeps it changing. It was originally known as Comiskey Park. And I kind of like that. Just name it after what it was before in the old location, Comiskey Park. 
But then sponsorship is what makes this world tick these days. And then it became known as U.S. Cellular Field. And that opened in 1991. Now, I remember going to that ballpark when it first opened up. And uh, to me, it looked like a football stadium. It reminded me of a miniature giant stadium. It was an airy upper concourse, lots of room, but you were so high up and so distant. It was like watching a football game in the upper deck at Old Giant Stadium. And I know MetLife Stadium is even higher. But, uh, yeah, it wasn't a pleasant experience, that's for sure. Uh, but they've remodeled and retorn the place apart because originally what they wanted to do was have the ballpark look sort of like Dodger Stadium or uh, Royal Stadium. But they just went too big on it. So they tried to make it. It was actually one of the last ballparks built like that. And then Camden Yards and all these other ballparks came along. And uh, all the ballparks were more or less modeled after Camden Yards. So the White Sox missed the boat on that. But they've actually lowered the upper deck. They got a covering above the upper deck. They moved some of the seats closer to the field. They changed the color of the seats to green, I think, to make it more baseball friendly. And they're doing everything they can. It seems like it's a hit. And they can draw to the south side because the White Sox were good when the first ballpark ballpark first opened up. And they almost drew $3 million. I know they're the stepchild to the uh, Chicago Cubs, but the White Sox, the hardcore Chicago populace, uh, a lot of people like the White Sox. They're not, they don't have the, the national flavor the way the Cubs do. The Cubs have that flavor that the Dodgers, the Yankees, and the Cardinals do, but there's a lot of people in Chicago like the White Sox, so it'll be interesting. You put out a winning product. I know with COVID-19 out there, it's not going to be the instant draw. It could be if this team lives up to its potential because of limited capacity, but once all becomes back to the norm, I think the White Sox could be a big draw card again in Chicago. Now, in 1906, in their 50-year existence, they were the defense-oriented team dubbed the Hitless Wonders. In the 1917 World Series led by Eddie Chicote, Eddie Collins, and Chulish Joe Jackson. Yes, they brought the bacon home in 1917 when they won with those three. And that's after winning in 1906. But then 1919, the shit kind of hit the fan. Uh, the World Series was marred by the Black Sox sandal, in which several members of the White Sox were accused of conspiring with gamblers to fix games. I think there were eight in total. And it was never really the same for a while. But then... Lightning struck, and from 1951 to 1967, the White Sox had their longest period of sustained success, scoring a winning record for 17 straight seasons. They were pretty good. And uh, all you historians know, or those of you who were around at the time, you're lucky enough to be around at the time, remember the Go-Go White Sox, and they were known for their tendency to focus on speed and getting on base versus power hitting. I guess they were the pre-1980s Cardinals there in a way. And they featured such stars as Minnie Minoso, Nelly Fox, Willie Aparicio, and Billy Pierce. Now, once that rant run ran out, uh, the White Sox fell on some hard times. And they were always considered movable. And Bud Selig actually wanted to move them to Milwaukee. And that was blocked by the American League. Uh, so Bud Selig went out and acquired the pilots and moved them to Milwaukee. Uh, and then there were a few other deals, too. I, I remember the White Sox, uh, Seattle wanted to get them, and the American League uh, kind of scorned upon that, and that's how the Seattle Mariners franchise came about. And then Tampa Bay went all out to build a stadium. I remember Tampa Bay was recruiting the Giants and the White Sox, 
And uh, that didn't happen because there was a little bit of a reprisal in uh, White Sox land. Uh, Dick Allen in the early 70s became the most feared hitter in baseball. And Bill Veck returned as an owner in 75. And despite not having much money, Bill Veck had them winning 90 games. And they were the darlings of Chicago. And Harry Carey and Jim Pearsall in the booth made them a unique draw. Made them a fun time for all. And uh, White Sox were saved. They never moved, and that's a good thing. And then they were successful in the 90s, with the, uh, in the early 2000s, with 12 winning seasons from 1990 to 2005. Uh, first baseman Frank Thomas became the face of the franchise. And after this break, we're going to go into the projected lineups for the White Sox in 2021. Okay, folks, it's back to the 2021 Chicago White Sox. And I'm going to tell you one thing. Losing Eloy Jimenez has got to hurt, and it would devastate most teams. But this ball club is is stacked. Uh, we have leading off Tim Anderson, the hit machine. And he's just a good guy. Good ambassador for baseball. I love him. He's good for the face of the franchise with the White Sox. He's someone you want to get out there to the public and show, hey, this is what baseball is all about. Good guy. And batting the second lineup is Yasmani Grandal. And what a pickup he is. I mean, I love Yasmani. Great, great hitter. Uh, I don't think they're going to miss James McCann with uh, Yasmani there. And he's the perfect number two guy. And then... Here's a trivia question. Who won the MVP last year? Yes, it is. It's the number three hitter, Jose Abreu, the first baseman for Chicago White Sox. And uh, he'll be popping that ball again this year. He is a beast. And not only is he a beast, the man batting cleanup behind them, Yohan Moncada. Uh, I've been a fan of his. He's been a prospect I've been following all these years. And it's time for him to reach superstar status and get the publicity he deserves. And another man who's going to get publicity he deserves and be a superstar along the way is the talk of the town, Luis Robert. He's going to be the center fielder this year. And this guy's a human highlight film, and he'll be batting fifth, it looks like. And a big pickup for the White Sox, Adam Eaton. He'll be playing right field, batting sixth. And the guy who's going to probably replace Eloy Jimenez is Andrew Vaughn. He is another guy that can hit. Uh, and this could be the perfect opportunity for him to shine. Uh, number one draft pick by the White Sox, and he is a beast. And like I said, I don't think they may miss too much of L.A. if Andrew Vaughn can just live up to the potential he has. Uh, Lurie Garcia is the left fielder. And then behind the plate, you got Nick Madrigal. So that is a solid lineup. I really do like the White Sox lineup, and uh, I think big things are going to happen with that lineup. And projected bench... Who remembers Jonathan Lucroy? Well, White Sox fans will see him every so often as the backup catcher, and it's hard to top him as a backup. I know he's lost a little bit over the years, but having him as a backup really helps. Uh, Nick Williams in the outfield, a good utility guy to have. And then you have Zach Collins, catcher first baseman, and Danny Mendick infield rounding out the, uh, I guess I would say call them the top four in the utility bench. And then the rotation for the White Sox. I love it. Uh, Lucas Giolito has finally discovered himself. Uh, he was expected to pitch this way. There was a lot of pressure on him when he first started in the major leagues. But he has found his own. 
And him as a righty and Dallas Keuchel as a lefty. I know Dallas Keuchel will probably never reach the Cy Young form he had a few years ago. But he knows how to pitch. He's a gamer. And like I said, Lance Lynn is like a fine wine. He keeps getting better with age. And he's going to be the third man out. So you got Giolito, Keuchel, and Lance Lynn as your three. And then rounding out four and five is Dylan Cease and Carlos Rodon. Uh, Carlos Rodon is a work in progress. He's a lefty, so you always got to give lefties time. But... Uh, I think there's hope for Carlos, too, and being in the five spot in the rotation, I think he's going to have a chance to develop himself and do well. Uh, the bullpen, like I said, when you got William Hendricks, you got the best. And then uh, the setup men are probably going to be Aaron Bummer, a lefty, and Evan Marshall, a righty. And Garen Crochet, he'll be coming out of the bullpen, too, and they have high hopes for him. He's a highly regarded prospect, and uh, we all like Garrett. Well, I do. And then uh, rounding out the bullpen, Cody Hewer, Matt Foster, and Nick Turley. And things are looking good. If you're a White Sox fan, things are looking good, without a doubt. Uh, I know when people probably heard the news of Eloy Jimenez going down, they said, oh, my God, that's the end for the White Sox. But it's not the end. I mean, it's going to be a little bit more difficult, uh, without a doubt. But I still see this team winning 90 games minimum. Uh, they are that. St- I'm a big fan of the White Sox. And uh, I think they'll do very, very well. And uh, like I said, that lineup really, the key is, one of the keys to winning is not have a weak spot in the lineup. And they really don't have a weak spot. And they have a few superstars sprinkled in. So things are looking good, without a doubt. Uh, not much up coming up in the minor league system right now. The, the guys that who are the future are on the ball club right now. Uh, so Sox, time for the Sox to make their move. Uh, the most formidable opponent that'll be going against in their division is the Twins. Twins are solid too, but I think pound for pound, the White Sox will come out ahead. They'll be the Central Division champions. And to be honest with you, they're probably going to be the biggest competitor for the Yankees to get to the World Series. And don't count the White Sox out. They could be playing postseason ball in October. So that's my little analysis of Chicago White Sox. Hope you enjoyed it. Again, I'm picking a Central Division win for them and a possible World Series. You never know. And we're going to close out all these broadcasts with a trivia question. And today's trivia question is, who is the youngest player to win the MVP award? And the age is based on the last date of the regular season he won the award. We'll have the answer with tomorrow's broadcast. Again, I want to thank you for listening. I'm glad you're a subscriber. Please come back. We'd love to have you. I'm going to try to do these on a daily basis. Hope you love them. And remember, if you want to check out good content, go to the Baseball Facebook group, Baseball Way of Life. If you're not a member, join. We have all kind of good stuff there all, all day long. We have uh, on this date, baseball birthdays, baseball trivia questions, baseball jeopardy, baseball family feud. You name it, caption this photo. It's a fun site. I'd be glad if you join, and we'd be glad to have you. So once again, thanks for subscribing to this podcast. Well, we'll talk soon. Have a great day and talk to you probably in a day. Have a good one. Hey, Baseball Way of Lifers, how you doing? This continues our 30 days of 30 team previews. And today we're spotlighting the San Diego Padres. Now for years, the Padres have overpromised and underdelivered, But this could be year the Padres do indeed deliver. Their deeply overstocked minor league system from years past was used to help acquire some great talent in the last year or so. 
Uh, they acquired Mike Clevenger, Blake Snell, and you Darvish. And let's add the flash of Fernando Tatis Jr., Manny Machado, and the rest of the Slam Diego squad. And yes, even I can tell you that the Padres will be a fun squad to watch in 2021. Will they be enough to beat the Dodgers in the playoffs? That remains to be seen. But when the Dodgers did sweep the Padres in the 20 playoffs, the Pods realized starting pitching was the separator between the two teams and added Joe Musgrove, amongst others, to the rotation. So the Padres went out and addressed their needs and realized that pitching is where it's going to be happening for them. And also they need to stay healthy in 21, especially with Snell, Darvish, and Lamette. Uh, they have been injury-prone in the past, and if they're going to be a key part of the pitching rotation, which they will be, they do have to stay healthy. As far as the uh, everyday lineup, Machado and Tatis, well, they just need to have their typical seasons and stay healthy. If that happens, watch out National League. Uh, I expect big things from the Padres, and I'll go deeper into detail on that in a few minutes right after this break in our upcoming segment on the Padres' history. (laughs) 